0: Hello, welcome to this podcast on how uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning are audited. We are going to have a discussion here today with Jermond Hagen of Two-Fifth Consulting. I will uh, turn it over to him to introduce himself in just a minute. But first, I'd like to give you a sense of where we're going to go here in this discussion. It's um, essentially a, a primarily a discussion with Germond. I will step in and introduce topics and other approaches as we get through this today. But the idea is to give our audience, you you the listener, uh, an idea of um, how this process works. It is a fairly new topic and it is one that touches many different aspects of the enterprise. So with that said, um, Jermond, um, I should also mention that Jermond and I work together in this area and he has an incredible background that is perfect for this area. So with that said, Jermond, if you would uh, introduce yourself and your firm, and uh, we'll then go from there.
1: Perfect. Uh, th- thanks for having me. Uh, I think you're too kind. Um, uh, I'll talk a little. So my, first off, Jermond, my name is Jermond Hagen, uh, founder and principal of Two-Fifth Consulting. Um, started off my career uh, as, I guess, a lot of IT auditors. Um, at uh, a big, what was then a big six audit firm, Coopers and Libran, uh, and then continued on uh, to various IT audit, um, IT compliance, risk, uh, and regulatory examination jobs, or regulatory compliance jobs. Um, I've worked uh, many, many companies, some on Wall Street, uh, a lot of the mega banks, or a few of the mega banks, um, TIA Craft, which is one of the larger uh, annuity firms, uh, and several large manufacturers, Philip Morris and uh, Johnson and Johnson, as a worldwide auditor, uh, also ran uh, an ethical hack uh, governance process for Citigroup, Cash and Trade. Uh, started the first uh, technology second line of defense over at TIA Craft and and then uh, ended my corporate career at Freddie Mac, where I was interim head of regulatory affairs uh, with the primary focus uh, on IT and finance. So done, I think, quite a number of things uh, with respect to IT risk, audit, and compliance in the field. And then uh, also well-versed in the three lines of defense that's generally uh, a practice in the FIs and uh, in, in the States. Got it. And then, you know, I guess now I'm uh, running Two Fifth Consulting where we give audit, compliance, uh, security uh, advice, uh, and run a small managed service provider.
0: Got it. Perfect. Um, Well, yes, I think that's uh, a great background. And if I understood correctly, you were 25 years in the business. Uh, We were around when some of the first auditing frameworks were birthing (laughs) themselves, uh, NIST 800 and so forth, uh, which is great because you've seen it all. You're like
1: in COVID 1.0.
0: <laughs> wow. Um I I was we were mentioning in our last uh, earlier that two fifth and twenty-five, twenty-five years is a, maybe a new way for you to brand yourself. I don't know. In yeah. any event, so, <laughs> and, and I'm <laughs> in a similar I'm in a similar place in my career. So um great. Well thank you. Uh well I think what we'll do is um I uh what do you think uh or how does someone in your role uh, for let's say a mid-sized company on a uh, fairly challenging engagement, how do you approach the process of an audit, just sort of maybe a generic to the extent that you can uh, Mm -hmm. view of how that works and the way that you think of it the way typically the way you execute.
1: So generally when I start any audit uh, I want to understand the business uh, and understand the organizational model uh, as well as uh, the actual model itself uh, and the compliance requirements. Um, generally, that gives me a good idea on, you know, what's what's actually working well and, and what's not uh, also the background to understand um, the controls that are in place um, that that that's key uh, to determine the scope and generally uh, figuring out how much time I'm going to spend in specific areas.
0: Right. And I think you touched on something that I, I was an auditor back in the day in a different context, but that you are going to focus on where you see where the problems are. So it's, it's a, there's no one size fits all. You go in and you assess things at a basic level and then you focus on the places where the problems are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, again, we look for gaps in documentation uh, and then overly complex processes with multiple handoffs, with multiple people. Uh, and things that generally aren't automated, uh, which are very likely to fail.
0: Got it. Great. Thank you. And um, with regard to what you see as the, the largest need, let's say two, um, what do you think is the most important thing that you would like to see when you come into an audit?
1: Oh, I, I, you know, I always love to see, well, it's maybe, maybe it's three things. I always love to see documentation documentation and in good form uh passes a lot of audits and a lot of regulatory exams Mm -hmm. Um, i like to always see that um security was top of mind uh -hmm. during development uh Mm -hmm. knowing that the the uh the developer wasn't just trying to get the process to work or the model to work uh but that it was secure and and uh you know and they took the the proper measures to ensure that the data was secure and that they weren't violating any particular privacy or any other regulatory concerns.
0: Yeah and I think in a past conversation you mentioned process was another one that uh stood yeah. out.
1: Yeah well you know again uh the procedures are going to you know uh you know I guess point to process um the the system development life cycle is something if it's documented uh the process is there and it's repeatable that that always definitely helps and love to see that
0: yep got it um okay and i guess the ability to see that they have a predefined process for whatever they're doing so that you know that they've been following a, a certain series of uh i guess that comes up in the documentation so um
1: well, yeah. So again, the, the development life cycle, if it's defined, is going to, you know, talk about all the requirements in order to introduce something as a new product. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what what are the requirements for it to pass after it's been developed? Uh, you know, what, what are the number of acceptable defects? So all those things you'd love to see mm-hmm. uh, in, in the actual process, uh, as well as sign
0: off uh, and review. Got it. Got it okay great thank you um so what i'm going to do now is just um from my piece here is to discuss the the ai audit side of this um in a in a focused way and then we're going to go back into the larger audit frameworks and then um go into the three lines of defense with with germond so basically what we look for on the technology side and i i know that germond is 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 uh you know, well-versed in this, but from the standpoint of the actual implementation, the data science piece and su- such generally comes on the privacy lab side, is that we're really looking for um, three basic things. And again, we're just focusing strictly on the model itself. The first part is to make sure that there's a governance process. When you're building the model, are you documenting what you're doing? So as you go from one version of the model to the next, you're documenting that, you're recording what's being done, what went wrong, how was it fixed? Where's the data coming from? So that's the first piece. The next one is the ability to understand what the model is actually doing. There are uh, algorithms and uh, resources that can be used to help determine what a model is doing. There's this ironic uh, inverse relationship with the simplicity of a model, which aren't typically as accurate as the complex models, so the complex models tend to be focused on. However, they're the least explainable. And I give a quick example: is this one where there was a? Uh, it, it, it's a something. Just, you, you'll find this discussed out uh, in the in the uh, world of explainability. Um, there was a researcher who had thousands and thousands of pictures of huskies and thousands and thousands of pictures of wolves, and we were, the goal was to try and determine if I was given a new picture, would I be able to tell if it was a husky or a wolf? And so what it did was this deep d- deep learning neural network had like 90% accuracy, but it was picking the snow that was in the background of the wolves because that's all it had. It doesn't care what it finds in the data. So the idea there is that understanding how the model works, what is it, what features is it finding in order to make a decision has to be known by the data scientists and by the domain experts. So that's the next layer of designing a, or of understanding and auditing a, uh, a model. Because if you don't understand that, if you don't just know what it's doing, then you don't know if it's gonna misbehave, it's gonna cause some sort of error. You know if it's gonna generate bias or fairness, which is very big in compliance. So these are the basic buckets that are in there. Um, there is a process that is being used to um, audit the um data science workflow when i was in my master's program in data science at northwestern all the assignments had to follow what was called the crisp dm it's Mm -hmm. called the cross industry standard process cross industry standard process for data mining crisp dm Mm -hmm. yeah and so if you um google that um it there's it's it's basically kind of changed names since uh it was acquired by, it was, it was bought by IBM, I believe, but this is the standard that is being used in the audit frameworks. There are two audit frameworks uh, that I would uh, give a shout out to. One is called the Information System Audit and Control Association uh, has a framework that they've developed. Um, it's, <clears throat> I like their approach because of how it leverages the CRISP-DM framework, um, but it's the ISACA, ISACA, uh, they, if you do a Google on uh, machine learning audit, you will find plenty. I would give you a link, but it, just, it changes often enough that it's better to just uh, start new and look at it. The other framework, which I'll mention, is the Institute of Internal Auditors. They have what's called an artificial intelligence auditing framework. Again, these are approaches by uh, the various uh, auditing uh, associations on this topic. We do see some new efforts with the European Union. They have a proposed regulation on artificial intelligence. We already have a podcast on that with Steve and Wu. Um, there's also new uh, guidance coming out for, with the OCC and banking um, and financial services, which I know Jermon is close to. Yeah. But um, so that's sort of the basis there. There is the, um, we have the, the the way you audit a a model and the auditing frameworks that are around that. So now I'd like to, rope you back in Germond, on that aspect of it because I know there are people who specialize in auditing the AA model and there are people who specialize in auditing IT and compliance and so forth. But bringing the two together is really where I think we, where uh, two-fifth.com, two-fifth consulting and privacy labs brings those two together in a way that you must because of how interrelated they are. There's a horizontal uh, aspect to this that's that's required. Um, So I I think um, maybe the best way to look at this, Jermond, uh, is to look at the three lines of defense as a general, a general uh, coverage. What do those three lines of defense do, and then we can, we can go into um, how that applies to artificial intelligence.
1: Okay, so you know, a generally accepted control model uh, and the financial, uh, the financial FI space, as they call it, um, is the three lines of defense. Right. So the first line of defense is the actual business, their policies, procedures, uh, and controls um, that, that are in place. And those controls generally uh, are accompanied by a governance area within the business that you know, takes a sample or a, a look at um, the outputs that are, are created from uh, various processes. And that's the first line of defense. So the business actually executing and then with some, some level of review. Uh, the second line of defense uh, includes what they generally uh, refer to as kind of like the risk uh, area. Uh, and this area kind of puts together the guidelines as to you know basically the boundaries as to how far the business can go. So what's the acceptable amount of risk uh, that a particular process could um, basically accumulate uh, either over a certain time or uh, the uh, the, uh, the occurrence of a of a process. So uh, basically, establishing kind of an error ratio in uh, a business acceptance. And then the third line of defense is uh, audit, uh, where the auditors actually come in. Uh, review the process, uh, the processes of the scope, and then understand how well the risk function is working uh, to support that process. So, you know, are the businesses taking uh, undue risk? Uh, are the risks being identified? Or are they being uh, calculated and quantitated uh, with uh, the business executives actually know what their exposure is um, whether it be reputational, financial, operational, et cetera.
0: Interesting. So it sounds like a, um, a, a maturity process where they first start with the business and correct me if I'm wrong uh, is that the, the first line is really the the commercial goal of, of the enterprise and in the controls around that. The next one is to take that and look at the, the risk that's involved to kind of make sure that it's not crossing any of the, the lines that it should. And the last one is sort of an objective review of what's happened to that point. Is that a fair statement or am I?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, basically, uh, is the business executing? uh, Do they have some uh, tolerances that they put in place uh, to determine what's acceptable? Uh, Then is risk uh, coming in doing another review to ensure that those risk tolerances are actually working? And if a number of risks are being accumulated, uh, how does that uh, impact uh, the business's either financial or reputational um, posture or risk, so to speak. Uh, and then last, you're right, the, the audit. Uh, are those two functions, the checkers and the, the actual makers, um, executing as designed? Um, and then, you know, with efficiency uh, in, in some reviews.
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of a way of going in and going over everything, making sure it's, it's sort of a double check on things.
1: Yeah. The check is checking the check is the exact <laughs> <like> thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. And that should be an objective party, I suppose. Um, so <clears throat> uh, I think that what I'll do is I'm just going to go briefly over. Remember we mentioned crisp DM, because I think there's some overlap and some a way in which we can learn from those three lines with regard to the crisp dm uh, there's six stages i'll just go them very briefly the first is the business understanding which makes sense and by the way crisp dm is the way in which the scientists who use the science um quality check what they're doing to make sure that that science is being executed in its proper way just like any other science starts with the business understanding what's what's the goal Then there's data understanding, looking at the data, trying to understand um, how much there is. If there isn't enough or it's too lopsided or too sparse, it may kill the whole idea of using machine learning at all. But that's what happens there. Then there's data preparation, which is the third of the six steps. That's where you look at, odd values, missing values, um, skewed information, and you clean it basically, clean it up basically and you normalize it. So you get dates are have the same format, uh, names, first name, last name is always the same format and so forth. Then the fourth step is the actual model development itself where we talked about explainability, things like that. We look at those types of things and we make sure that the model is going to actually execute on the commercial purpose that it was being created for there's a there's a goal here. This model has to do something that results in a net gain. Then the fifth step is evaluation, where they test the model on uh, other data to make sure that it's uh, that it's working properly. Because um, often the model is trained on what's called a training set, and but that becomes kind of uh, siloed. They bring in new data to see how the model performs on different types of data and different uh, scenarios to see how how well it it. Uh, works uh, on a broad scheme, then it's deployed into, this is the sixth step, it's deployed into the enterprise infrastructure where it actually does its job. It's actually doing what it's expected to do. And there's an aspect of that where there's uh, you have to monitor that to make sure that um, it doesn't go off the rail while it's out there doing its job. So those are the six steps of CRISPM and if we map that back over to the three lines of defense. I think it, it, it kind of follows the same process is that um, as you go through those three lines, you are kind of, with regard to the specific aspects of the model development, you're, 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 you're sort of reviewing the model across those three lines of defense. And um, I, yeah. I think, yeah, is go that, ahead.
1: From what, from what it sounds like, it seems like the, the Chris DM is, you know, more a development lifecycle with respect to developing uh, AI products. Uh, but it co- it encompasses everything that, you know, we historically know as the IT audit approach, right? Um, yes. And then you have to, of course, I think what we talked about earlier was determine um, how far do you go? So what is the scope of the review? Uh, because it could get pretty complex pretty quick, I would think.
0: Yes, yes. And I think this is, again, touching on the horizontal aspects of the audit, uh, sort of bringing that uh, full circle here is that... When you do look at, let's say in the second line of defense where you're looking at the risks, a lot of those are things like privacy, regulation, data protection, security. Um, in particular for data science, the security of the developments uh, cycle, uh, which is key, which you brought up earlier, Jermond. Um, And then it, in the final case, we have the, uh, the third party auditor uh, or the internal objective auditor who comes in and just uh, brings a fresh, objective, neutral view to that entire process. And so I think one of the things that, that we we would uh, offer here is that the person, the the entity the, uh, that does this, as in the case of Two-Fifth and Privacy Labs, um, we know that we have to look horizontally because machine learning draws from data that is coming from many different places. And often that goes into a public cloud and... You have to look at the privacy regulations that that attach to that. You have to look at the data protection and cybersecurity, information security uh, that touches that. You have to look at the software development life cycle. So what I would call in the data lineage, where's the data coming from? Absolutely. And Yeah. And then ro- wrap that around the business purpose and look again at all those areas horizontally. Every time you look at a, an audit of AI, you are, a part and parcel to the privacy the data protection and any other governance uh, require governance or compliance requirements uh, that would go along with it and I think that's where you know our ability together to to accommodate that that horizontal aspect is perfect with regard to um, the the joint you know what we do is is the two of us so one of the things we can do is, um, I think, Jermaine, you have some ideas on how we can you know, help people prepare for an audit and then how we can be a, a good source of an objective.
1: We yeah, hear. so a lot of what I've been doing now is helping firms, uh, medium, uh, small to medium firms, uh, prepare for audits, uh, which is essentially putting them through an audit or mock examination uh, before they have to uh, actually uh, learn the results uh, in the real world. Uh, so, you know, going through uh, an actual audit, um, determining what the weaknesses are, uh, and then we also assist uh, with, with some of the deficiencies and remediation. Uh, so this way uh, we could give them uh, a real world view of what the auditor or regulatory examiner would like to see uh, and then help them close uh, the observations that we think uh, are necessary. Uh, whether it. that be, um, you know, just regular documentation, or you know, help with information security or privacy, or, or with their uh, system development lifecycle.
0: Got it. Yep. Um. Yes, and I would imagine then by extension that if a, uh, a, a firm was, or if an enterprise was looking for an auditor to come in, that they would wanna find someone who could accommodate the, the full horizontal spectrum at the same time, uh, that, that saves money and it, it reduces risk. So I think that's where we would be uh, well-placed that way.
1: Absolutely, in the eyes of an auditor or a regulator, so to speak, because uh, we have uh, the experience in both areas
0: right right with your experience with all of those uh, very impressive roles you had and and the way you kind of came up in the in the world with this you have seen it all <laughs> and <laughs> and on our side we have the same kind of uh ideas i've got you know some 20 some odd years in um in legal and then later in the last seven years in data science and technology. So in any event. Um,
1: it's kind of weird to be able to say, hey, you know, I remember when we when they first came out with GLB, uh, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, or HIPAA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's uh, for those who don't know, I, I'm sure they do, but the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, which applies to banking, uh, which Germond has spent the, the bulk, <laughs> if not the uh, primary, primarily in banking and finance. And then with HIPAA, which is the, uh, healthcare, okay, yeah. uh, you know what, we're going to get into some, some, uh, acronyms that I forget what they stand for, but HIPAA is for healthcare. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, um, even going back to S- Sarbanes-Oxley and the Dodd-Frank act and so forth, I've, I've watched those come to come into life. <laughs> so I think the background helps with, uh, understanding. So, um, I think that pretty much does it. Um, I, I think that we certainly could go on for quite some time here. But I, I do, uh, Jermond, uh, thank you so much. I did want to give you a chance to maybe just uh, a last thought uh, on what you think you uh, think about the topic. Any, any last thoughts that you think we should impart to our, because I'd hate to leave without your mature and, and extensive experience without getting, giving you that opportunity here.
1: Well, uh, I would say the good news is, is that the US regulation isn't pushing so far uh, that there's uh, an overburden on new requirements with respect to AI. Uh, I think the requirements are general uh, with respect to um, the development. Uh, but, but there are some things that companies need to think about. Not only is the model or AI um, tool working properly, but how are you actually applying the use of that tool uh, from a data ethics perspective? Uh, I think that's something that companies don't generally think about uh, when, when uh, applying new tools, uh, or new emerging technologies. Uh, is the application of the tool ethical? Uh, and uh, of course, as you know, can you explain it? Uh, those are the two main things that I see uh, where firms would struggle and or we can help them uh, determine how do they go about documenting uh, both of those um, to, to support their cause.
0: I could not agree more. And I would not have expected anything less from you to, to bring that up. We probably should have brought up with that. I think you're absolutely right. The ethical, the, bi- the bias, the fairness, uh, which is sort of, you know, it does permeate everything and it is. And it, it's downstream of explainability. So, um great i i could not agree more and i think that was a great way to to end things here um so i think we will do so we will end it uh again we could discuss everything but uh i think that they can find you at twofifth.com consulting two and then fifth spelled out no hyphen just twofifth.com yeah and um and then i we're at privacy labs.ai and i think uh with that said feel free to reach out to either of us um we do think we have sort of uh an unrivaled competitive advantage there. Um, but um, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you again, Germond. And thank you for all f- for listening and uh, watch for, for new uh, podcasts from Germond and myself on other topics.
1: Thanks a lot, Paul, for having me.